Hello everyone. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of talking to my teacher, my high school teacher who taught me AP Macroeconomics. On this episode, we talk about important things. We talk about what it's like being a teacher, how to deal with students. We talk about life and certain experiences that can provide you with a lot of value. Unfortunately, my mic wasn't so good and I do apologize for that. I hope that does not affect your listening capability, but if it does, I do apologize and I will have him on sometime in the near future. So without further ado, the following conversation is with Matthew Jekyll. Well, what is it for you that's really interesting, like that you really enjoy about teaching? Like, do you just like the feeling of helping people learn or sort of getting valuable information to them? Like, what is it about teaching that really draws you to it? Hmm. Good question. You know, well, first of all, I think it's what I'm teaching. That's a big part. You know, if you told me to teach French to people or uh, calculus, I would not Mm -hmm. enjoy, I think, teaching. Uh, Mm -hmm. First, the content, the stuff that I'm teaching, I'm passionate about. So that's awfully helpful. Um, But asking that question might be like asking a professional tennis player or professional basketball player, what do you like so much about, you know, your craft, the thing that you do? And I think it's just it's so much about like the person and what they love. I um, love talking to people. I love, I'm social. And when I see students um, getting that aha moment, you know, when they're, maybe when they're not that inspired and they get passionate and they learn and you get to share something with a student that you also really like, like economics or business. And then they get that aha moment. Um, Like, don't get me wrong. A lot of the students that I teach are quite are a lot smarter than me. Ali, you are smarter than me. But at that <laughs> period of time, I just knew more about economics. And so I was so happy to share that with you. And uh, each student that you, you meet, um, it's just, what do I like about it? The whole thing, you know, even the challenging parts. Um, I just, uh, the more I teach, the more I learn. That's awesome. That's awesome. I want to touch a bit about tennis. Because um, I, I didn't realize uh, until like a long time uh, while you were teaching me that you're a big fan of tennis um, and that you actually coach tennis. And I wish I'd known that earlier because I would have actually tried out for the tennis team. I think oh, I you're a good golfer. It. You're an awesome golfer, man. <laughs> I, I love golf and tennis. For, for me, those are the two um, that I really, really enjoy. But for tennis, though, like, did you, did you play tennis when you were a kid and loved it from the beginning? Yeah, I have a funny story about that. I, uh, my parents, I was fortunate enough that my parents um, had enough money to put me in multi-sport programs during the summer, after-school programs. Um, I was put in skiing, basketball camps, soccer camps. So I had a little bit of taste in in all different sports. And when I was younger, like we'll say ages like seven, eight, t-ball growing up. And I remember when I was nine, my parents uh, signed me up for a tennis camp at Western, Western University. And I still remember telling them, no, I don't, I don't want to do tennis. Uh, I'm not interested. I like soccer. I'm good at soccer. Put me in soccer. And my parents said, listen, you've never played tennis before. Uh, you should give it a shot. And it's only one week long. And I said, okay, uh, I'll give it a shot. Uh, but I don't want to go. And it was at Western University in London, Ontario, where I grew up. That's where the tennis multi-sport camp was. And I remember getting on court and after, I still remember Rob Schmidt, he was my first tennis instructor and spent 
it was a five day camp. And the first two days I was able to learn and get pretty good in those two days that they moved me up a court with the older students. Uh, and so I'm this nine year old and I'm hitting with 13 and 14 year olds. And uh, I was loving it. And after the camp ended, my dad came to pick me up and Rob Schmidt, another tennis coach came over and said, Hey, you know, your son kind of learned pretty quick. Uh, it'd be great to have him back or have him join another one of our programs. And then it just started from there. That's crazy. That's crazy. Cause I have such a familiar story with golf as well. Like for me, I love soccer from the beginning and I loved it. Like I, for me, it was the sport that I, I mean, I, I played all the time. And, and then, so I even joined house league at one point and I was like considering rep. And then my dad was like, you should just try golf. And I was always like uh, a bit iffy about it. And I was like, golf's like, it's not like an old man sport. Like what I played that. <laughs> and then uh, my dad's like, yeah, you send that now. You're going to get hooked. And so he brought me on. He got my, my first set of like Nike clubs, um, like really small. So sick. Kids said. Yeah. Yes. And I just, and after that, I was just, I was just hooked. Absolutely hooked. Cause I like, uh, same thing with tennis, right? Like I like the fact it's an individual sport that I can, like I'm accountable for what happens. Um, mm. I, I, like that's the aspect I really like about it. Yeah. It's goes both ways, right? Like, I like teams stuff as well, but, and tennis can feel a little bit lonely sometimes, I guess, because it's all on you, but I grew up in a great environment. You know, I also, you know, I wish I played golf when I was younger. I love it. I am terrible, but I love it. And uh, my dad, I see him sitting on the couch watching golf. And when I was younger and I thought, why are you watching this? This is boring. And now, yeah. you know, if golf's on, I'm watching it because oh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But so I have a couple of questions over here. And the reason why um, I called this podcast a human experience, well, I first called it the innovation experience, but I changed it to human experience because I think that like whenever people generally have an interview or they talk to people, there's always like this sort of front that you put up where it's almost like you want to be, it's like, I really like bringing out people like who they really are. So I like asking very specific questions, <laughs> trying to see them figure it out. That's what people always say. Like you send me the questions before I'm like, okay, I'll send you the topics, but I won't send you the questions specifically. Be careful because... for what you wish for. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I want to be very, very organic. Um, but so just another question I had for you was what was your passion as a kid? Like when you were small? Um, was it, it changed every year? I remember telling my parents that I wanted to be a firefighter. Then it was an architect. Um, I really liked archaeology at one point. Uh, then a professional tennis player. <laughs> and then going into high uh, later years of high school and university, it was asset management and finance. Okay. And now it's education. I think I have a ton of like little passions. I should probably take a deeper dive in just one, um, mm -hmm. but it, it changed depending the year. I, I just like love it, learning. I love learning. Yeah, from, yeah, same. I love learning because it's like, it, it sort of gives me sort of motivation throughout the day, knowing that every time I get up throughout the day, I want to learn something new, whether that be like reading the news or learning a skill or like even getting better at a skill. I find that it adds more of like a unique experience to life. And, that, and that's recently actually how I've been feeling. I've been feeling that life is really short um and even just any human interaction you can get is like a bonus and so even when i was in school and i had teachers and the reason i want to bring you on is because you defer as a teacher as a teacher um to me normally than other teachers uh just the way that you teach you can tell that you're very passionate about it and also um i really like the way there's a sort of human aspect to it like when I, whenever you were teaching economics <laughs> it was like you really liked what you were teaching and so you want to make sure that i got what you were teaching and i really enjoyed that and so yeah, no. So what's a, what's a teacher that has an effect that had an effect on you that was really 
Oof. that you remember uh, that was like really helped you like a few names come move. to mind a few names come to mind uh for good reasons and maybe not so good reasons i think we can both agree that many people will remember those teachers that were their favorite and the things they really liked and we'll also remember the ones we didn't and yeah. we can learn from both of those things 100%. right you know a teacher Mr. Bedard, Paul Bedard, someone who mm -hmm. I work with in Sifton House and on the tennis court, he shared with me a few years ago, students don't remember, they may not remember what you taught them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And I thought that was pretty deep and uh, quite, quite right. Um, Dave Dodge, he was my first business teacher in high school. He made business fun. Uh, I like that because business can be, you know, boring. You know, you can, you can get into accounting or even looking at profit and numbers and talking about corporations and taxes. And you can make it so dry, but you can make it so much fun, too, and relatable <laughs> to the real world. Um, in, uh, in earlier years, teacher Mr. Ross remember I was on the basketball team, I had him as a basketball coach. I was terrible at basketball, uh, but he kept me on the team and I had so much fun, even though I wasn't the best player. And even though I didn't play a lot, I felt like I had a responsibility and I had a role on the team. Mm -hmm. Then there was the teachers that uh, like during my summative project in grade 12, there was a teacher, I won't say their name, uh, but like they fell asleep. They were asleep as I was presenting. <laughs> oh uh, my God. Uh, which That's is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are some that stick out. Some of my mentors though, if we talk about teachers, John Hatch is, uh, was my tennis coach for, I gotta say 10 years. And then he employed me. He taught me not only tennis, but uh, how to be a better tennis player, but how to be a better person, uh, both on the court and off the court. And to this day, I still try to keep in touch with him, send him Christmas cards. And I owe a lot of what I have today to so many people like John Hatch, my parents, my brother, uh, my partner, um, my friends, like they've shaped who I am. So the list is long for people who have kind of inspired me in education and, and sport. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And I think that what's really cool is that whenever someone's really young um, and, at the end, you're teaching them at a very young age, it's like children's brains are so malleable and you can actually like make them into, you can sort of put something inside them that makes them really driven and motivated and, or even just have this sort of, I don't know, hunger for learning. I find that it's such a valuable job um, to teach. And that's why I find that whenever people talk about how teachers aren't paid enough, I'm always on the boat that teachers should be paid uh, a lot more than they are paid. And then, and also I find that it's not so easy to teach. Like it's really not. Um, and <laughs> it, it, <laughs> like I've tried, like um, even teaching things like the patience you have to have, I don't <laughs> even have, I don't know how, like what, how, how do you have so much patience when you teach it? Do you ever feel like, I don't know how you're not getting it. Like, how are you not getting it yet? I've explained it to you like 15 billion times. Like, no, <laughs> no, I don't no. like that is not a feeling I get, but let's talk about like a couple of things that you just mentioned there. Like, first of all, like the word teach to teach something. Um, when people say, you know, you teach and like, I try to look at it more like guiding, 
or showing because learning is so much about rather than me teaching, I'm trying to help facilitate someone learn something. And there are so many different ways to learn. Um, like leadership, think about leadership. You know how many different leadership styles there are? And someone mm -hmm. says, you know, you are a good leader, but like there's a ton of different things that you're kind of doing when you're doing that. I kind of view mm -hmm. teaching in the same way. Okay. And, and paint a payment, uh, getting paid to do something. I'm just, you know, it doesn't matter if the salary when you start is lower compared to maybe other uh, careers, but like if you do something and you do it well and you love it, it's going to work out in the end. That's my belief. Um, Cause you're going to, if you follow your passion and you do it, those who love it, do it better. And you can tell the mm -hmm. teachers that love it and you can tell the teachers <laughs> that don't. And if you get really good at something, uh, if it's making hats, if it's baking cookies, if it's teaching, then you're going to find a way to be able to make a living off that. But uh, staying patient, like, and, and sorry, let's still talk about the income. It's funny, you know, I've heard a lot of teachers say, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. We should get paid more. I'm stressed out. And th there are some really good reasons why they say that be because of the workload and the support systems that they do or don't have, uh, the, um, the resources that they do or don't have. I'm like really lucky with the resources and support that I have at my school. It's, um, I'm blessed, but you have to like, my partner, she works in a hospital and like, though, you know, if a student doesn't hand in their homework on time or gets a bad mark on a test or have a lot of marking to do, yeah, I guess you could say that's stressful, but what about like if you're in the operation room or the ER room and you're trying to save mm -hmm. someone's life? That's yeah. that's stress. That's, that's another stress. level. So I have a good like I'm lucky to be able to see these different perspectives. And uh, I it, it may not be the easiest job in the world, but I, I love it. It's just like maybe being a, a professional golfer. Is that easy? No, that's very well, difficult. But yeah. man, if you love it, it's not it's not as difficult as you may think if you love it. Yeah. I agree. But do you think that also like whenever you love something and you're pursuing it, there also are times where you just have to do it, even though at the moment you don't love it or like oh, you yeah. just push through hundred percent. Oh right? yeah. Like right now. So we're doing this podcast It's April 13th, uh, 30th. Uh, oh, I don't know if I should have said the date, but it's April 30th. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. April 30th. We got exams. Uh, I'm, I'm marking the AP uh, micro and macro mock exams. I got summatives. We got sports. We had a house dinner this weekend. I'm on duty this weekend. Um, we still have units to do. <laughs> like I got a lot of stuff. And you still have units at this time? Oh yeah. Like it keeps going till at least mid-May or so. Uh, so we're still learning stuff. Uh, investment club, environmental council, PGP meetings, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> conversations stressful. with parents. It's not, I wouldn't say it's stressful. It's busy, but like, I like it. Um, but right now it's like, yeah, tennis, sometimes it gets tiring or you get injured or you got to do suicides to get, to become faster. But if you know, it's part of the game and it's going to make you better. Yeah. It's a lot easier. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, I completely agree to get, if you love it, then you'll get through the tough parts a lot better than someone who doesn't love it because, because you actually are willing to do it. Like you have that extra spark of um, I don't want to say motivation because I really don't like that term. I would say, 
you have that extra part of discipline. Intrinsically motivated, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, intrinsically motivated. That's a good way to put it. Because I think that motivation, like I've been watching a lot more of like David Goggins and Jocko. Ooh, Williams, okay. And, uh, I, I was I've been on getting that train that. a little yeah. bit. David Goggins, so, a little bit of uh, um, Gary, Gary V, a little Gary bit v. of, uh, yeah. yeah. When he doesn't get to... too loud, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, no, yeah. So I've been watching a lot of that. And so I just said, no, no harm to Gary V. Gary, if you end up listening to this, I'm a huge fan and I'd love to have you on the podcast. Um, but yeah, no, like I would say the thing with motivation is people are always like, oh, I'm so motivated. And it's like, okay, great. But then what do you do when the motivation dies out? Like it comes in sprints, right? Like I'll be motivated for a week sometimes, like two weeks. I'm like, this is great. But then when the motivation dies out, it's like, well, am I just going to stop doing it and wait till I'm motivated again? And so I always have like, I'll be speaking to my cousins and my friends and they'll be like, um, and something I struggle with as well. And no way am I preaching on my high horse, believe me. But like, um, whenever they're like, uh, or whenever I say sometimes it's like, I, I, I want to do it, but I'm just not motivated. It's like, that's not the right way to look at it. It's more like, I'm going to keep doing it. And I'll get that motivation spark and I'll get through a bit more. And then I'm going to stop being motivated. I'm going to keep doing it. It's like, it comes in increments basically is my view on it. What about you? Would you, would you agree, disagree? How would you feel about that? Yeah, I agree parts. I agree parts with that. Um, you know, my brother just lent me a book called Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. And the book was talking about creating habits by <clears throat> something that I got from the book. There's a lot of great lessons that probably flew over my head, but one of them was try to like, instead of think about doing the things you have to do, like waking up at a certain time, doing a workout, think about the person you want to be. And that person does those things. And if you are that person, then you will do those things. Mm -hmm. But um, I think of motivation, like a quote I heard the other day was love is not just a feeling but also a commitment when you mm -hmm. love someone yes there is that feeling but you know there's times where it's not all you know roses and sunshine but you also there's a commitment as well um, maybe yeah. motivation is something similar where you know you love something you want to do something and it's hard and you don't feel so great about it one day but you're still committed to it um, mm -hmm. everyone has those days but you know every, you know Roger Federer my favorite tennis player doesn't play his best every day but he still finds a way to win and so maybe that's mm -hmm. maybe it has a lot to do with perspective and just taking a step by step 100% Roger Federer is also my favorite uh tennis player let's go well. let's go no no Djokovic no Djokovic well. no, no, no. <laughs> fans here baby 100% if you're a Novak if you're a Novak fan man yeah no I completely agree I think that I think even I was watching an interview and it's, it's crazy. I mean, like when you think about the pressure that these tennis players have to handle when they get on, when they get on the big stage, like if you're playing center court Wimbledon final and it's like your, your final set. And I mean, I, it's like, I can't even imagine how much pressure and how tense you must be in the situation for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? It's I, crazy. I struggled with, uh, I did really, I did well in my first few years of university in tennis. And then my last year, I don't know, a switch flipped and I had trouble with managing my expectations and my, my nerves on court. And uh, one of my uh, teammates, like tried to put it in perspective. He played down in the States. He played at a big college and I'm forgetting the name, but he had a scholarship and he said, listen, Matt, like, like these matches are important, but can you imagine playing in the States and 
if you have a bad season or you, you lose a few matches, you lose your scholarship and then you don't go to school anymore. <laughs> like oh, that's, that's pressure. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, that, that is pressure. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is not as big as I thought it was. That helps. Yeah. Yeah. I know hundred percent. It's crazy. It's crazy. It honestly is a, such a great skill to have. And that's why I think I, I admire players like that so much. Um, like, even though I don't know kind of Novak, like the fact that this guy comes back from being two sets down, uh, like and like it's it's crazy it's crazy just to have that mental fortitude to do that but no, just pros. Uh, yeah 100 percent. yeah the pros for a reason um just want to i want to talk to you about this uh like the, i have a topic and so it's a school and education industry but there's really one i want to start off with this um question for you and yeah. i want to know how do you spot entrepreneurial kids versus non-entrepreneurial kids i wouldn't say non-entrepreneurial kids i would like I want to be careful I phrased out to people who, who you can tell are very entrepreneurial and then those who haven't really developed that entrepreneurial part of themselves. Um, like, do you, can you spot that? Because like, I'll tell you a bit of background for me. I mean, now that I'm a student, I've graduated from Sanders College, I can tell you quite candidly, I think for me, grades-wise, ever since I was in high school, I didn't really pay attention to grades as much. I paid attention more to am I learning what I'm supposed to learn. And I think that there's this, there's this very interesting view I have sometimes where it's kids who try really hard in school. For me, it was like, I'll try a decent amount in school to make sure that I'm understanding the material and I'm doing quite well. But the other times that I have, I want to be able to deploy to other cool things I really find interesting. That's sort of the way that I viewed it. Um, and so I'm just wondering, that was just the, my, my view on that. But I want to know your like spotting entrepreneurial and non-entrepreneurial kids. You know what, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I don't have that skill because I'm not sure if I'm able to spot students who have an entrepreneurial spirit. Some like really stick out where they're asking questions and you can tell, and then I'll ask a follow-up question. Um, Mer, uh, um, I don't want to say students' names. Student in my class, he is you know running a side hustle where he's selling apparel, uh, which oh, is wow. really cool. And I could tell he was asking me certain tax questions. And I thought we were really interesting. I said, hey, is there a reason like this? This is kind of cool that you're taking interest in that. And he goes, yeah, well, you mind if I show you like this is the website I've created or if there's a particular student that has created an app, you know, uh, like they're asking certain questions. And uh, <laughs> but you also got the quiet guys, right? The, the guys who don't want to share and uh, mm -hmm. have their own. They're a little private and that's totally fine. Maybe they're a little bit more introverted, but they are still entrepreneurial. Um, so maybe I can't spot it. But if it's ever shared with me, or if I find out, like I'm the, I love to be the first one. If like Aiden Kirschmeyer, if that guy is uh, like, I shared the York Region Summer Business Program, and he was mm -hmm. part of Investment Club, and then he started his business, and then he got a grant from the York Region through that program. If I owned a lawn, if my property had a lawn, I would be hiring him to mow my lawn because I think I want to support that entrepreneurial Anything spirit. If someone is making hats, I'm buying a hat. If someone, mm -hmm. there's a student here who's making maple syrup, I just bought a bottle of maple syrup. Like I, I want to encourage that that risk, that passion. Yeah. Because all these students have these passions and I love when they make the transition of turning a passion into, and seeing the business side of that passion. Mm -hmm. passion. There's a mm -hmm. student who is an amazing guitar player and now he's created this Spotify account and now he's starting to get followers and he's starting to, you know, who knows, maybe he does, 
you know, you hook up with him and he creates uh, your intro music for a podcast. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. it's that I really like that. And so when I do learn about that from a student, I, I just try to help them as much as I can. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. I completely agree. And like even touch on Aiden, who is a really like, unfortunately, he's a really good friend of mine. And so like I speak to him all the time and, and he's I think that's what's really cool is that if you really have a passion for entrepreneurship and, and innovation, whenever someone comes to you with an idea or something that they're working on, you almost by nature want to support them 100% about it because you already know how tough it is and you just want to help them and just show that you really care. Like I think even the fact that um, when as soon as we launch Solver, you create an account um, as a as a tutor and and yes, I mean I mean you know what I mean. It's yes it, to, to to you it only takes like about I don't know I mean hopefully it didn't take that long to hopefully our <laughs> no, it was good <laughs> that it that it only took like a few seconds but I think that just from a student's perspective to get that support is actually um, like it it means a lot and so just even like I, even for example Bryce and Andrew Craig who I'm probably gonna have on the podcast as well are starting something really cool at Queens I'll keep that. Um, confidential off of course but they're starting something really cool and so I like I always told them like as soon as they told me I was like I just want to help in any way possible I'll use a product I'll give you any review I'll, I'll give you a proper review an honest review I'll help you out in any way and I think that's so that's such a valuable skill and honestly I think you actually should give yourself a pat on the back for that because not a lot of teachers have that I've had teachers that sometimes will shut you down like oh that's that's dumb I'm thinking like, okay, why is it done? Like, mm. I don't know. I mean, be more practical. It's like, oh, like it's a bit like, okay, that's not what I was expecting. And I, I like the idea that you're, you're somewhat of like, um, if you can take a risk, like take the risk, man. And like, I'll back you. You know what I mean? Whether, whether I back you by, by helping you with using your product or I back you with sort of that, that motivation at the, whenever you start the idea, I think that's really, really important for a student to have yeah, some sort what, of support. Whether it's entrepreneurship too, or, you know, if I see some, I'm walking by the, tennis courts and someone's practicing their serve and I'm just walking by, I can see that they, they're passionate. They're wanting to get better Then just give them a tip or say, Hey, your serve looks great. Have you know, what are you practicing for? Very cool. Have you ever thought of doing this with your, you know, wrist or with your right foot or with your left arm that might help you with this, you know, mm -hmm. it's just the same thing. with yeah. business. It's just like extra positivity. I think that that's, that's something that I've been actually really pondering on. Um, even, like, I'll just give you an example. Whenever I go, uh, I'll leave my house and drive. There's always this old man who's walking in the morning. And so he'll always wave and I always wave back. And it's just little things like that. <laughs> Do you know just this wave. man? Oh, no, great. I know what he is. Yeah, he's, that's he's great. Fun. You should, you yeah. know what? You should stop, roll down that window and say, hey man, and give him a tea or give him a coffee and say, I've been waving to you. You've been waving to me. My name's Ali. Here's a coffee. Have a great day, you know? 100%. Or just say, what's your name? You know, where do you live? Yeah, exactly. Just sort of spread that, spread that positivity. I think that that's so important, but I think that it sort of leads, it's not really directed to my next question. I have mm. a next question here, but another question has popped into my head that mm. I just really want to ask you. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like the inside scoop because like, I've always curious to know like how teachers would respond to this, but with, when you have a student who's, who's a mischief maker, like you have a student who's really, really annoying you. Um, how do you deal with that? Because the first thought that comes to my head is like, I don't want to show the student that he's really annoying me and pressing my buttons, but then also part of me also lash out at the student. It's like, how would you, how do you deal with that? Like, because I'm sure you've had it in your experience of teaching, right? For like loads of years. Like, how do you deal with a student who's really mischievous? Okay. Well, it, <laughs> uh, it, you know, you're not going to like the answer, but it's dependent on the student and the situation and like they're in the, What's the quote? Hurt 
hurt people hurt people. So some guys, you know, I've got a ton of time for people that um, maybe they're talking too much. Maybe they don't do their homework. Maybe they're being rude. Like you don't know what their background is. You don't know what they dealt with that weekend. You don't know what accommodations they may have. You don't know what's going on in their life. I think building a relationship with someone and then being able to empathize empathize and that's why I love being in boarding too you not only see a student in the classroom and you see them on the tennis court but you see them in the boarding houses as well and when you're able to build that relationship you can see other areas of their life that you would have never known just as a classroom teacher and that can really help you with understanding where the student is coming from and and the reason of why they're doing this and I've been lucky with the school that I'm at with classroom management but if there's someone that is maybe not meeting the expectations that that have been set there's a reason for that there's a reason that they are acting that way and if you get to know them you can figure it out and and see what's going on and help them because you know or maybe i'm just being boring like i think a lot of teachers are like oh my students i can't control them maybe that's because your content and your teaching uh, and your classroom is boring and so what do you expect them to do? Like they, like if it's an hour of them just sitting there listening to you talk, yeah, they're going to probably do the stuff that they shouldn't do because they can only sit there for so long. But yeah. th- there, there are reasons for why people act. And if you can help them, maybe they're struggling with something uh, or maybe you're struggling with something. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I'm, no per- I'm not perfect, that's for sure. But I have a ton of time. Like when I was a student teacher, um, before I worked at St. Andrews, I, you know, worked at a school. I remember I was in grade, it was grade three. I was helping teach grade three, loved it. And there were some students that they got to school. They didn't have breakfast. They didn't have a lunch packed. They didn't have their homework done because that night they're looking after their younger sister because their parents weren't there. Or if they were there, they were not helping. So, and am I supposed to be frustrated with the student that is lashing out or, um, disappointed that they didn't do their homework because they're doing their family's laundry that day, you know, like, so yeah. I think there, there's some background and it's easy to say, Oh, that guy's lazy or, Oh, that guy's just, that guy's a ding dong or that guy, that's just the way he is. I think if you, if you peel back the layers, um, you'll find out that they're not so bad. Damn. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really, that's awesome that you have that view. I think that any student listening to that will definitely want to be in your class. Cause I think that even like, I no. feel like I've been, the, I've been the minute, like I've been, I've been a, like, um, thank God, like in my previous years, uh, it's not that case anymore, but I've been the sort of like mischief type of maker. And I think that if a teacher, I, I, I think it'd be impossible to be that student in your class, actually, I think in my opinion, cause I think you actually show that you care about the student. And I think that sometimes the, the student who's being a mischief maker, like you're right, has a bunch of reasons for why he's doing it. I mean, maybe things when he goes back home aren't so in order as let's say someone else, someone else's houses. So I think that showing that, that compassion, I think that's definitely some more of what I, what I want to work on as well is sort of understanding that someone's coming from a different background as you, a different view of the and world. Culture too. Culture has a big part of it. Like a different part of the world, people have different expectations of how much you talk how much eye contact you make, uh, how many times you say thank you, you know, or, or, or not. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's yeah. so much that goes into it. That's kind of what makes it fun. Yeah. Cause there's so much, this such a variety of different students that you teach oh, yeah. that come from, right. It must be really enjoyable. The I guess you also give, gain a lot of insight. The more you give, the more you get, I think. Yeah, I completely agree.
I completely agree. So I, I want to ask you how you value, how much you value grades compared to other teachers. Like there's some people who really value grades. Personally, for me, I'll just be completely honest. Um, I don't really value grades that much for like, especially in university for me, it's I'm like, again, the concept, am I passing by a good margin? Like that's fine. Um, I don't want to be just passing, I want to pass make a good amount, you know, like a standard deviation of like 6%, 7%, oh, sorry, 15%, like depends what the minimum required grade is. Like 15%, I'm good with that. Uh, Thank God I've been doing quite well. So if anybody's listening to this, I'm great. Right on. University is um, tough, yeah, man. University is tough. It's way tougher uh, in high school. The workload, it's like crazy. But yeah, and sorry, before I'm, I'm, I'm I, before I get like asked a question, I don't want to forget this point. But I remember being in your microeconomics class, um, and you taught our uh, the RRSP and TFSA accounts. Like you taught yeah. us that that's for our summative, and. Yeah. It is insane because when I was doing my my uh, like the last unit that we were working on for my financial capital markets class, we were working on a TFSA and RRSP stuff. And for me, it was like, oh, this makes sense. Like, okay, like because because we talked about this before. I remember being in your class. I was like, okay, like this is really interesting. Like, I need to, and I've retained some information, which is good because it's not for retain a lot of information. But I retained some, so I, I really thank you and Mr. Kaludi for especially the program that I'm in because for now, from like I gotta it's tell them that. a lot. Yeah, you should. You should. I'm gonna be uh, at SAC on in May 14th. Um, for the oh, I won't be. I'll be. You I'll won't be, be in there. Toronto. I'll be in Toronto uh, that weekend. I That's see, Sunday, I right? See. May 14th. Sunday. Yes. Oh, uh, Saturday. I think. I think Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. 13, 14. Saturday. Yeah, I think I'll be in Toronto. Well, I mean, I'm just glad that we can have this conversation though, at least, so we've caught <laughs> <Yeah>. up already. <laughs> Which is yeah. good. Which is good. But yeah, no, just getting back to how do you value um, grades. Like, how, what's your view on that? Do you really think, like, is it a big deal if you get straight A's or not straight A's? Like, what's your view? Oh, geez. What do you mean, um, before I answer that, what do you mean, how do I value grades? Is there... Um... Like, for example, like, for, for me, I don't really value... For me, I'm more focused on the learning outcome of it. Like, I'm not really thinking about grades as in, oh, I got a 70 as opposed to, like, an 80, an 82. Like, for me, I don't really care about that. I'm more like, do I understand mm. the concept? And that's good enough for me. Mm. Okay. A fun uh, saying I heard was, don't let school get in the way of your education. And that I think kind of gets at your perspective of like, don't let, you know, just what you learn in class and that's it, just be book smart and, you know, uh, ace tests, but don't know a lot of other things that are relevant to the real world. So I get that perspective as well. <laughs> I mean, grades, assess well, assessment in general, is such a hard thing to assess what people know to evaluate learning is difficult you know we got multiple choice we got short answer we got interviews we got presentations we have projects we have surveys we have discussions you know there are so many different things and everyone is you know talented in different ways and mm -hmm. it's so like it's hard standardized tests or alternative tests like it's so hard to accurately assess everyone so because we don't have the resources I, i'm not able to individually assess everyone perfectly so we've created assessments with multiple choice interviews discussions to try to have a well-rounded approach but of course it's not perfect it's like democracy. It's not perfect, but it's be the best we got. So it's doing okay, but it's not perfect, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah. So there, there is, there's a point where, you know what? Like, oh, I would say if it's in middle school and we were 
you know, learning is so much fun and less emphasis should be put on grades. Um, just learn and love to learn and, and make it fun. And in grade 11 and 12, however, when you're trying to get into programs and the way that they are um, applying a big portion of that is what grades you have, then you, even if you'd think, you know, this isn't the best, you must think, okay, well, if this is what is required to get into this program, then these grades matter for these students. Um, so is it perfect? No, but also like you'll see Harvard, other UNC, other schools, they're starting to throw away the ACT and the SAT mm -hmm. exams, they're starting not to use them as much. And I understand yeah. why they're doing that. And there's a lot of privilege and tutoring and things like that as well. But also there's the other side of the fence where you'll get an 88 at one school in grade 12 physics, and you'll get an 79 in another school in grade 12 physics. But maybe the 79 was just a harder teacher and harder course and they actually know more, right? And so when they go to mm -hmm. university, they'll do a lot better than the person that got an 88 because the teacher just gives everybody A's. Yeah. You know, that happens. It's called grade inflation. That's a real thing that we're dealing with, you know? When I went to school, you know, I had, a, you know, a low 80 when I went into university. Now, place in McGill, you need a high 90. How is that happening? I know more people are going to high school, more people are going to university. And so, so the demand is going up and people's expectations are going up, but like there's also grade inflation. So it's not an, it's not an easy answer. Grades are not the be all end all. That okay. I can say is for sure. Okay. If I were to create a perfect world for an application somewhere, grades is definitely a variable. It's a part of the recipe, but is it everything? Hell no. Okay. Hell no. I think there's so many other things, uh, sports, leadership, volunteer councils um teacher references as well because mm -hmm. what happens if someone gets a grade of 90 and they're only doing like two courses in the year and someone else has a grade of 88 and they're doing 10 courses in the year does that mean that 90 person knows more and is smarter and is a better candidate for the program compared to someone who got an 88 but is also on the varsity badminton team is on debate club deca you know uh, they run uh, um, a leadership position in Sifton House or something. It's it's tough. It's a variable. It makes sense to have it a part of the equation, but mm -hmm. is it the be all end all? Definitely not. I can, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I completely agree. I think it's important for students to also know that because sometimes you attribute your perspective, like your how you view yourself and how smart you think you are to the grade that you get. I certainly used to do that a lot when I was in middle school, where if I got like a 60, I think that, oh, okay, well, my smartness level is 60. And so that's like my, that's like my potential cap, basically. So, and mm. I think that it's sometimes it gets very tricky. Like I'm fortunate that's not how I think right now, because it can really, really hold you back from really going mm -hmm. for things with that mentality. And so I really, I really urge, I really urge schools to, and I think SAC did a really, Sanders College, I think they did a really good job of that. I remember every time that there was an academic assembly, um, Mr. Pralik always talked about how it's, it's grades are good. Like it's great they're getting an award for this, but it's not the end all be all. Um, there's certainly a lot more to the table and it's okay if you didn't get the award, it's fine. You can move on and aim for it next time. Or even if you don't get it, it doesn't matter. Just just prioritize your learning. I think that a lot of schools should be, should be doing that. I, I completely agree. Agreed. And, but then you can go too far on the one side too. 
give everybody a award you know <laughs> yeah i like, hate that yeah. well yeah but you hate that but you also don't like you know it's tough it's tough there's gray and i don't you know we're just trying that, to figure it out it's better than it yeah. than it was i think 40 yeah. 50 years no, I think ago for sure. yeah exactly i don't think anybody should i don't think everybody should get an award but i think that there should be also some awards that like if you worked like your butt off and you studied the entire time you got the highest average in physics in the entire school like in my opinion you definitely deserve an award for that man you know what i mean like that's that's impressive that that's really good obviously it depends on what school you're in i mean if you're the only one who's actually doing their homework and no one else is it's not like that much more achievement because that's like the benchmark for other schools but i think that there should be there should be an award system where you get you get really you get rewarded for your hard work but at the same time you don't put other students down for for having other things that go on in their lives and we don't have that necessary time to sort of allocate towards different things mm -hmm. um that's that's what i'm thinking but i want to ask you this question i think that i really want to phrase this properly um it's so i have written it's like what do you think about using resources outside the class for tests and quizzes and i'll give you an example so in my stats exam they didn't let us use a programmable calculator so i'm doing like these random variable distributions like by inputting the the formula and I can't just use a program that like a like a programmable calculator that I just press one button type in the number and it does it like is that really um practical like in real world use in my opinion no I think that it's very I think that it's actually a waste of time for me to then plug it in into a calculator that doesn't really do doesn't really have the computational power that another calculator does because in real life I have access to that calculator and I'll just use that and so I'm just sort of thinking what's your what's your view on that for when you're doing, um, I would say like assignments and quizzes. Like, do you like? I understand obviously you don't cheat. Like, don't like search up the answer online and things like that. But, but in including the resources though. Like, do you think what what is your view as a teacher on that? Hmm. Well, I can't speak specifically in terms of the calculator reference because there might be legitimate reasons for that. There might be illegitimate reasons for that. But school is not. You know, the game has changed. It is not. <clears throat> You know, when someone says open book, open internet is different than open book, right? Yeah. Google Forms, you could you could search up the answer. So it's in the teacher, like the, the ball is in the teacher's court. So if you just give uh, like a simple question, maybe not an open-ended question, and they can search up the answer, then, you know, that that's going to happen. But what if you try to look at more application and communication, um, to make it more relevant, then it helps with, I think, understanding, explaining, and you're not able to search it up. I like using resource, like use whatever you want to learn. Like I, I would recommend using, like if you're in a certain class and the teacher says, these are the resources I recommend, maybe you should probably use those resources because they're teaching based off of those resources because people have different explanations and definitions for certain things, right? There's a mm -hmm. million textbooks. Like if I, if, uh, Marginal utility is a term in, in economics. And I bet you if I read 10 textbooks on marginal utility, they would all accurately tell me what marginal utility is, but each definition would not be the same. They would be a little bit different in each way. So yeah, use different sources. I'm fine with that. Um, heck, I think my partner, when she went, uh, she was studying medicine, like they didn't even tell her there were certain books that she would need to get if they wanted to learn about anatomy or certain systems in the body it was up to her to decide what textbook she would use to learn about these topics that's kind of cool but in high school you need maybe a little bit more structure right say hey listen i've done the research 
I've been teaching this for a while. This textbook is great. Like in our class, we didn't use a textbook because I thought, mm -hmm. listen, I don't think a lot of students are, are interested and they're not going to read it. And if they're not going to read it, then what the heck? I think we should yeah. use this other resource created by Jacob Clifford, which makes yeah. it a lot easier and uh, more interesting. And it's media, it's, it's a video rather than than reading. So to each their own. But I'm I am pro sources, alternate sources. Okay. Yeah, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Because I think my pet peeve is like when, like that, that really, I thought about it a lot. I really pondered over it when my stats teacher was like, you can't use a programmable calculator because I asked her and she said, you can't use it. And to me, it was like, I just don't understand how this is like a real world application. Like this is in no way preparing me in no way. Like I'll give you an example, that's like Poisson distributions for, for stats. And so in no way, like I'll probably have to do it in, in, in real life, but this, my boss isn't going to say, you know, uh, do a Poisson distribution and you have two minutes and you cannot use this calculator it's like it's just gonna be like just do it and get it done and use whatever resources you want so it's more that's like the sort of idea i'm going for is like if that's the way that the world is going to be then why am i not being sort of taught in that in if, that way if that was the reality if that was a scenario if a student came to me and a student said you know mr jacob there's a I'm in a class and I'm not allowed to use this t uh, calculator and it makes total sense that I should be, but I'm not able to, whether I agree or disagree with the student's perspective, I would say, listen, there's going to be moments in life when your family member or your boss tells you, this is what you're going to have to do. And you're going to think this is lame. This is stupid. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. But you know what? You're going to either have to do it or not do it. And yeah, sometimes exactly. you just got to pull up your socks and say, okay, then I will yeah, do exactly. it and I will do it well. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll get through this. And, but yeah. if I'm going to run it my way, that doesn't it's make in, sense. Yeah, you know? exactly. There's, no, there's I a, agree. something to be said about saying, you know what? Okay. Just do it. Power through yeah, it. Yeah. Get it through. Because, no, you know, if it. this is what is needed and even though I don't agree with it totally, unless mm -hmm. it's going against some huge principles of mine. Then, yeah. Um, no, I completely yeah. agree. I think that, yeah, I think that you just got to power through it, which I'm glad I did because I ended up doing well in the exam, which was good. Wow, okay. <laughs> stats was tough. I, I loved stats in university, but it was tough. Yeah, no, it was. It got Permutations, really combinations. It got really tough. We were, we were doing a lot of like hypothesis tests and confidence intervals. And so that was that was, um, that was interesting. So, but I, I want to like, we're just wrapping up with a couple of questions, but I just want to ask you this. If you have, you have unlimited funding, okay, let's say you have unlimited funding and, you, and you're teaching a business class, how do you go about teaching it? I had an idea uh, this year that I actually wanted to talk to our school about, but uh, I haven't, I don't have the full idea yet. So it's, it's raw, <clears throat> but I think a big, so what, what am I teaching like grade 10 business or something or entrepreneurship yeah. or something? But yeah. Yeah. Great time business entrepreneurship. Yeah. Cool. I would have, if you could picture if it was a week, and the whole class is through a year, um, but I would give them, each student, $1,000 or $10,000. And I'd say, great, start a business. And each class, I would, maybe half of the class would be me teaching them a concept, like how do you calculate profit? Or how do you do your taxes? Or what is marketing? And then the other half would just be them working on their business. And at the end, throughout the year, I do interviews with them and talk about, hey, like, this is 
uh, where are you with this? What have you done? And have certain expectations they have to meet and certain things like a public company, like they have to write about, but you can do it however you want uh, mm-hmm. type thing. That's, and I think you learn about business by not just sitting in a classroom, but also by, by doing. That's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. kind of what I, I do. And, and I the person that gets the highest mark is how well they do with those checkpoints and also how much money they make. Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. But would you allow students to work with their, like work in groups or work individually? Like would that, would that be an option there? Because maybe, because yes. I remember 100%, right? Yeah. Yes. That'd be, that would honestly be the most fun business class. Because for me, I love just taking an idea and running with it and then having some money to sort of back it and then see how it does. I think that the best way to learn business is to just start a business. I think that anybody who convinces you that you should take 10 courses in entrepreneurship and then you become enough and you'll know about like it, it does not there's no such thing in my there, there's opinion. things that help it helps but like there's also yeah, but it comes down to you know it doesn't matter how many yeah. videos i watch on how to hit a forehand how out or how many books i read or or how many presentations i watch or how many people coaches tell me i have to go out and i have to hit a forehand to learn how to hit a forehand in tennis and how to make it better exactly. these things exactly. can help me hit the forehand and like make it even better but I've got to go out there and I got to put it, I got to just do it. I got to learn. I got to percent. Yeah. My, my brother does a, gives a really good analogy for this. He says that, let's say like I'm, you're hiring for a lifeguard position and someone comes to you and says that they've read uh, like 10 books on, on how to swim and how to do like a backstroke and how to dive in properly and, and how to do all these things. Um, but they haven't swam before. Like you would be thinking, okay, like, that's great. Like, I'm glad you know all that stuff, which is cool. But you, but I'm going to hire the guy who knows how to swim <laughs> versus yep. the guy who knows the theory of swimming. But um, so it's, it's, it's good. It's interesting. Cause I, w- I want to talk to you about um, peer pressure and whether you see it happening more or slowly decreasing and what advice you'd give to a student who is facing uh, a lot of peer pressure from their peers. Peer pressure, peer pressure. So what comes to mind with when you ask me if I see peer pressure is not maybe the peer pressure that we think about when we think of people telling people to do certain things and in classroom experiences or on teams. When I think of peer pressure nowadays uh, for teenagers and students, I and just kids in general, is social media. So the pressure of having things that are awesome and doing things that are awesome and and uh, having these lifestyles that are crazy that are not real mm-hmm. they are not real this is a business a lot of these things are businesses and then but you, then you see your friends posting stuff but they post stuff that that's awesome no one posts things that are like not awesome right there's actually yeah. apps that are now being developed calling be real or something like that where it's like you have to take a picture every two hours or something it's just a norm there's no filter it's just a normal thing like you got to take it in 30 seconds whatever you're doing so to show like this is, this is my real life. This is actually, you know, I'm on my computer actually 10 hours a day, or I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, the sun is not, does not actually look that nice. It's cloudy. And I'm, you know, yeah. just walking my dog and picking up its crap. I'm not just enjoying my time, you know? With, yeah. With yeah, dogs. exactly. So it used to be, I don't know if you've heard this saying, but trying to keep up with the Joneses, yeah, you, you, yeah. You, you know, that's your next door neighbor, right? What did mm-hmm. the, what kind of, what kind of lawnmower do they have? What kind of car do they have? Damn, they've got a nice fireplace. We need that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's that, but that has been multiplied by oh, multiples, yeah. hundreds, because now you're seeing it with, you see 
everybody. And now you're comparing yourself to everybody. You know how many people there are and how many different perspectives, like uh, snapshots of people of lives they're showing. People don't show you Instagram posts of when, you know, <clears throat> they're putting on their shoes and they're tired and they don't want to go to the gym, but they'll take you a picture of after their gym and their muscles and they're, you know, they're tensing and showing, Oh man, so glad I woke up this morning and ripped, you know, like, yeah, I exactly. wish, you know, make sure you do that. Be more like me. You know, there's so many yeah. uh, kind of crazy things and uh, the social dilemma documentary. Have you watched that? Yeah. Watched it. I Terrified deleted. <laughs> I, yeah. I deleted Snapchat. Yeah. I deleted Instagram. I deleted Facebook messenger. Funny enough, literally today i downloaded snapchat again it's been probably two years and i just downloaded it because yeah. uh uh my partner had these funny snaps that she was her she was with her sister her mother and uh they had a fun time and i kind of missed out on those photos because yeah. i didn't have snapchat so okay. i was like oh you know what i don't want to miss out on that again i guess that is fomo uh, <laughs> missing out so maybe i'm yeah. getting sucked back in and I do spend too much time on Instagram. You know, I might swipe it away again. I'm kind of using it for personal stuff, mm -hmm. but also professional stuff as well. Mm -hmm. But yes, peer pressure, maybe not one-to-one, -one, but one-to-all or all-to-one, yeah. I think is huge. And it's it's messing people up. It's messing, yeah. it's messing people up. I completely agree. Especially young kids, man. Like I'm I'm 20 now, but like at kids at 14, oh, you're so old. 15, <laughs> I turned 20 yesterday. Uh, hey happy so, belated birthday yeah, man thank you thank you and um so it was insane because when the clock was like 11 58 11 59 like i was like getting really anxious like oh my god like i'm turning 20 like this is like the years people see your 20s pass by so fast i'm like you okay, said that at the beginning it. of the podcast you're like you know time is flying by and i was like interesting he is he's reflecting on on his time and his experiences and how fast and you only have one life and and but also like you're um you're part, you're in the zone where you are taking bites out of all these cool opportunities and you're hustling too. And that can be, you know, there's so many good things about that, but that can be anxiety provoking mm -hmm. too, because there's so yeah. many things to do and you have expectations and there's not enough time in the day. The times are going by, you know, you want to make sure you use every bit of time as you can. And there's some <laughs> negative things uh, to that as well. Yeah. But yeah. I, I can see that. I, I totally understand where you're coming from with time flies by. Mm -hmm. yes that's what i've been trying to take more advantage of the present moment and even whenever i have an interaction with someone i like having real interactions and real conversations i don't want we're having now like i'm not gonna put up a, a face or i'm gonna be completely myself no matter what question you ask me you know and i think that that's something that um, i'm fortunate enough that that i'm able to do that even at times when i'm not like uh, i mean it's it's a work in progress but i think that it's it's a really liberating feeling to just walk into a room or walk into a job interview and not be so stressed and just have that confidence that I'm fine because I'm just myself and whatever they ask me, I'll, I, I trust myself to come up with a suitable answer. Um, I think that's really, really important to have. And, and just, yeah. Be authentic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that it relates to social media as well, right? Like even I have this, um, this need on social media sometimes. Uh, I mean, thank God I've gotten rid of it to a large extent, but it's still there when you post something and you're, and you, the dopamine you get from the likes that you see or the comments that you get, and it, it's so massive. It's crazy. It's crazy how addicting you can get. Well, it's, yeah, it's not even crazy. It's like we have some of the smartest people not working on climate change, not working on solving poverty or hunger or disease. We got them working on these apps that are 
keeping us our attention and they know yeah. what they're doing. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you look at so, your phone, your settings and see, oh, how long was I on my, what? I was on my own phone for six hours today. What? Yeah. Um, it's crazy. It's scary. It's scary. That's yeah. So scary. we're going to, ho- hopefully we figure it out too. Uh, like it's not yeah. the end of the world and there's some positives with it, but sometimes mm-hmm. technology, which makes it more productive can, you know, be so convenient. It can actually make us less productive and less exactly. healthy, less yeah. happy. And I mean, if you're not happy, I mean, you know. Yeah, it's like the it's diminishing. a big part of life. Exactly, exactly. I think I completely agree with the, with the, with how it can help you. And I think like even in the, then it starts like the diminishing marginal utility after a certain period, it just keeps decreasing, decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's, that's solely you can see that's what's happening. Um, I think it's very important that that's, I think it's a very, I think it's how cigarettes were in like the seventies and eighties when, when everybody was smoking and like, it wasn't so, and no one really thought much about it. And then like 10 years, 20 years later, they're like, Oh, by the way, like this actually kills you. <laughs> and they were like, Oh, like we should probably stop smoking less and, and start doing that. And I think social media in like 10, 20 years, they realize that the effects happen in your brain. Um, or sleep your own, too. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like studies are coming out now. Also they're saying that please don't use your phone like an hour before you go to sleep because it'll actually affect your sleeping patterns and you won't get everybody does though. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it, it's, it's super important. I, I like the way that you touched on peer pressure in a different way. Um, Cause I think this is the most prevalent peer pressure that we face in our society faces today is the peer pressure. It's not like almost like broadcasted. It's one person broadcasted to like millions of people or however many people view your post or what people post you view. I think that even me um, seeing that, like even on, on Instagram, whenever I'm having a bad day and you see someone who's living your dream life, I put that in quotations because um, I, I put that I put that in quotations because you only seen the, an image of that and it's not really the, the scene behind it. They could have been crying like an hour before they took that photo. You never even know what what really what's really happening. I mean, I never post a photo of me when I'm when I'm living bad life. Like, you know, like I or, or things like that. Like I I'd only post a photo when, when I'm feeling my best, except on on this one post. This one, I'll just plug it now. I have this page called Ali Habib Fit where I post all the times I don't want to go work out and I still work out. Like I post a video of me saying I don't want to do this run right now. It's before the run. I feel sick, I feel tired. But I'm still gonna do it, and if I can do it now, you can do it too. Go get some. Uh, that's like I do that so small. Cool, thing. man. Cause, yeah, because I was. I, mean, I listened I was to just, your podcast. Yeah, seventy-five days or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I listened to Aiden and then your cousin as well a bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's fun. Um, and in that aspect is is when you sort of understand that not everybody's living their best life. I think I think that you shouldn't really you you shouldn't base your life off of someone else's it's like jordan pearson says that you compare yourself to who you're who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today then that that quote for me is really sums it up Ooh, i've got a whole page of quotes in my phone i'm gonna yeah I should that's a nice up. quote jordan pearson he can be a little jordan peterson or pearson right peterson P- P- peterson yeah and what was that quote again it's a compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today Perfect. Great. Cool quote. I like that one. I got a whole list of, uh, I can't see, but like, it's uh, it's a lot. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So what's a, I want to, so just, just these last two questions I have, but I want to ask you um, any books you recommend. I'll start off with the two I recommend and then we'll end on the two that you recommend and then we'll move on to our last question. So only two, two. 
Uh, well, I mean, yeah, because because I, I know you probably have like hundreds of books to recommend, but no, I don't. <laughs> I've okay, got, like, say, I suck at reading now. I don't I don't have enough time to do it, but I do have a couple. So for me, I would say the two is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, and then Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I think these two books for me are like top top of the charts. Oh dang! What was the second yeah. one again? Sorry, it's Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. What's it about? It's basically like negotiation um, and persuasion, and but he's he's an FBI negotiator, uh, and so he talks about his hostage deals and how he's negotiated with these terrorists, and and it's 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 insane. I mean, it actually works. Like I've used it and I've tried it, so it's a, it's a okay. tried and true method. Okay, what's the author's name again? Um, it's Chris Voss. So just Chris, and then Voss is V O. I think it's. I mean, just V O S S. I think. Let me just make sure right now. Split the difference. Yeah, Chris Voss, V O S S. Awesome. Yeah. Am Next Amazon purchase right there. <laughs> That's awesome. I used to talk to Mr. Modell all the time in advisory. We always recommend books. He together. reads, man. He reads. He reads. Yeah. Oh, no, no. He reads every day, like uh, audiobooks in the car. He'll he'll watch a trauma belief game and read a book. He's he's, yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. So what, what books would you recommend? Two books. Only two? <laughs> Uh, only two. Yeah. I really like the book called Happiness Advantage by Sean Anker. Happiness Advantage? What's what mm -hmm. what do you love? What do you like about it? What's like the main overarching theme of it? Main overarching theme. He also does a TED talk. So if you don't want to, if you don't want to uh, read the book, listen to the TED talk. The five minutes, the first five minutes aren't great, but then it gets really good of the TED talk. The overarching theme is people try to be successful to be happy. And if you focus on being happy, then the success will come. Yeah. Uh, I think happiness is such a huge part of life. And mm -hmm. all the elements, what that, you know, family, friends, career, life, physical activity perspective um that one sticks out man hmm. sounds like an interesting book i really like you know, that. um there's a good you know personal finance book millionaire teacher by andrew halliman halman hallam um, he wrote about passive investing and it's a great book for uh, students, people, adults that want to take control of their personal finance. And it's simple, easy, and anyone uh, follow these strategies to become wealthy and financially secure. Mm -hmm. Bill Bryson, I love his books on the human body and a brief history of, of nearly everything. And how about some Dr. Zeus? all the places you'll go <laughs> yeah that 100 you, you know as you're a kid or you're an adult it's almost like a disney movie when you can watch it as a kid and love it but as an adult you can really see the deep understand as well yeah exactly oh um, the places you'll go i like that yeah. too that's awesome that's awesome I, I really like the financial literacy i think that that is really really important um for kids when you're i think like if i was in charge of an education curriculum um i would say 
one class I wish every single school had from grade nine would be financial literacy of how to manage your money. I think that that would be. I just so got to figure out the right way. I totally agree with you. I got to figure out the right way to create something like that. Cause that is, that is what I want to do. I want to help mm-hmm. people with that, but you know, people don't write, read books that much anymore. Is it a podcast? I don't know. Is it a course? I don't know. Is it a YouTube yeah. channel? I don't know. Is it mm-hmm. an Instagram page? People are doing that now, but there's, yeah, there's two types of literacies that I think are really important. Well, actually there's a ton Come on, mm-hmm. let's be honest. But fin- financial literacy is that one that I think of the two. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Even like I looking back at Pakistan now, I was thinking that I really wish a lot of I really want to help people in Pakistan learn more about financial literacy and how to manage their money. I think that the fact that you have like Wealth Simple here in Canada, which is so helpful, right? It's amazing. Like I opened up a Wealth Simple account, I opened at the wrong time. <laughs> market was going down but uh which was the worst time wealth simple simple trade is that yeah yeah exactly wealth simple trade um and so but i think you should have asked me i would have i would have given you a referral code we would have both got some some free stocks yeah that would have been amazing (laughs) yeah no i think that even just because in pakistan it's like the average person there is not investing in the market i think that creating a system where they can have their money um invested in markets i think it's really helpful for them just because the inflation in pakistan like, you, can get scary because compared to the u.s dollar um it's very 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 different so i think that i think that that's so that you're just talking about financial literacy in pakistan is a huge thing i think that that's something i'm really i'd really love to do and really sort of teach people there um but just to to, to wrap up let i want to ask you what advice you would give to students right now um the demographic you teach in high school or even in university what, what's something that, what, what's something that you think they should take seriously or just any piece of advice? Okay. Can I share a couple of points? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's start with follow your passion, do what okay. you love, do what you want to do. Those who love it, do it better. Um, it's better to be at the bottom of the ladder of something that you love rather than the top of the ladder of something you hate. So do what you like, because if you do, you're going to be good at it. You're going to enjoy it. That's a huge part of life, your job. And you know what? If you're good at it and you love it, you're going to get paid to do it, no matter what it is. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. Uh, number two, I talked about financial literacy, um, environmental literacy. Uh, we got to take care of this planet. Let's learn on how to manage our own waste recycling energy and fix the planet because right now uh it's up to us we're the only ones that are going to make the change um so climate change environment become educated on how you can be a part of the solution for that um try your best forget the rest like we said it doesn't matter on others if you try your best what is there to be disappointed in You, you gave it your best shot um perspective like here you and i like you know life is amazing but life can also be challenging depending on what's going on in your circumstances but you and i are you know currently doing a podcast i have lights on energy that's being provided it's insulated it's in a room when i was born i won the lottery mm-hmm. you know i was yeah. healthy I had parents that uh, were earning uh, above uh, middle um, incomes. Um, I'm a white male 
born in North America uh, that, you know, I'm almost six foot. I'm, you know, have some athletic ability. I have, you know, an IQ that gets me at least to average. Uh, there are so many things that I did not control that mm -hmm. have put me in a position to be successful. And billions of people were not given those advantages. So let's have some perspective of and give back to help people. Because if we give back and more people become educated, the ones that aren't given those advantages, but they're given support and they can do so much, I think they're going to make the world an even better place. And uh, that's the last thing I'd like to say. Oh, it's it. The cards that we are dealt is not as important as the cards that, and is not as important as how we play them. Like poker, you can be dealt a mm -hmm. bad hand or a good hand, but how you play them is 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 maybe more important. But uh, I got a ton of quotes like that on my phone that mm -hmm. sometimes I'll reflect on. I'll send them to you after this podcast. For sure, please do. Yeah. Um, but those are those are some things that you know. Be empathetic. Have perspective. Follow your passion, your love. Uh, be kind and happy, and like uh, not be happy, but um, understand that there's a lot of things that are going good. If you're listening to this podcast, you know you're mm -hmm. just reflect on like how how fortunate you are compared to a huge population, and then go and, and do uh do what you want to do and do it well give it a 100%. good go because you can only do it you only got one life so give it a good shot exactly because you only got one shot i completely agree couldn't have said it better myself mr jacob thank you so much for coming on here i really appreciate it um i look forward to hopefully chatting with you again sometime soon we'll definitely have you back on the podcast sometime in the in the future there's no doubt about it in my mind look right on I'll, I'll start up a business it'll become a billion dollar business and then you can, Done. You can have me on done let's do it <laughs> sounds good i appreciate it though thank you amazing thank you very much for having me i'm looking forward to whether we go for a walk uh, in my neighborhood at jimmy simpson or you're coming up to school again that would be great but this was a ton of fun so sorry if i talked so much but i love this this is great <laughs> no it was amazing yeah and no, it was awesome for sure all right cool sounds good thank you appreciate it